0: Hi, welcome to the podcast where we do it for the love of it. I'm Kevin.
1: And I'm Charles. And this is the sports podcast where we follow stories and events from across the global competitive landscape.
0: Okay, so we're going to be doing a little bit different of a format this time. We're going to try to do it a little more off the cuff, a little more relaxed to see how it plays out. So if you guys enjoy it, let us know uh, on, on your our social media. Okay, so we're going to start off with the NFL. Uh, some cool things happening here. Uh, some wild things, I guess, right as we speak.
1: Yeah, um, so, yeah, we should start there. So Aaron Rodgers, we're recording this Sunday night. Aaron Rodgers just went down maybe 10 minutes ago.
0: We, carted off the field <laughs> yeah. after a hit by Khalil Mack. <laughs> which establishes the impact of Khalil Mack immediately. Yeah, his and,
1: his... his he has already been felt. He's got a pick six already at this point. Injured, possibly yeah. the best player in the league.
0: Pay, well, I don't know why the Raiders didn't pay him, but I know maybe that'll be John Gruden's fault, but I don't know. Um, NFL
1: GMs love their draft picks. They, they give up I crazy guess. stuff to get draft picks.
0: I know. So, I mean, hey, uh, the Bears made a right move there, and already looking in their favor. So, you know, what it I mean,
1: <laughs> up 17 uh, nothing as we speak.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, I imagine it's probably going to stay that way if you're going to put in uh, Huddler, Hudler. I just
1: uh, Deshaun think. Kaiser is actually their backup this year. Oh, I I my wasn't even gosh. aware what? until I checked until like it actually came in. I'm like, "Who who is that? That's not did, Huddling,
0: did he it? lose his job? Like, yeah, because they got the Taylor and there?
1: Mayfield, so they just. I, wow, I don't. I'm not actually sure. Hundley might be. Wow, still
0: there. I I like Deshaun Kaiser, so I like that move. I think he just needs time. So Hundley's on the Seahawks. No, oh,
1: there we go. Seahawks made their move for him. So there we go. I
0: oh, now I'm shook.
1: Right. <laughs> so I wanted kay. to talk about. Uh, so there was a couple couple players this week that were. Out of the game for different reasons. James Winston suspended Le'Veon Bell holding out to get more money. But they were replaced by Ryan Fitzpatrick and Connor, who I I think is James Connor, who had ridiculously good games. Do either of these performances make you think either that the Steelers can continue to hardball Bell and maybe the Bucks can actually go forward and cut the extremely problematic James Winston?
0: Um, I think more for the Steelers that they have the ability to trade Bell out of there. That would probably make a little more sense than the other way, I guess. Yeah. But, I mean, hey, hardball them all you want, but in reality you should probably just move them out of there. Get some picks. Like <laughs> We just
1: mentioned how much G- GMs love their picks.
0: Right, and in the situation of you're not going to pay him anyway, then... Let him go. I mean, you have a guy who's showing through running backs or a dime a dozen. I mean, you don't really replace a Le'Veon Bell the way you would anyone else, but no, you can have not. someone who can who can have some impact. And there's a team that's willing to give up too much for him. So do it that way. Um, and what about uh,
1: Jameis Winston?
0: Jameis Winston is a is a different case where maybe that was one. I, I don't think Jameis Winston is that good i think he is very talented of course uh, i think he makes a lot of mistakes and he's not really that mature still obviously
1: yeah it's clear so, that he's got behavioral problems yeah i
0: mean and i just feel like in his play it's much the same he makes sloppy throws he takes a lot of risks that he doesn't need to make and there you go right like Ryan Fitzpatrick is a guy who's going to do what needs to be done. Uh, He's extremely... um, This isn't your ordinary
1: backup. He's had excellent seasons before.
0: 100%. And it's because he is the type of guy who knows when to take risks. He's not obviously as talented, but he's smart. He knows what to do. Yeah, that's the
1: book on him. Smart, 417 yards, four touchdowns, and only 28 passes. Like it's that, it's that's one hell of a game. That's something you can't ignore.
0: I mean, you have good receivers there. Just don't make mistakes, and they'll make plays. Yeah, yeah. So
1: I that? yeah, I like it. I don't. I think in the end, they're gonna. Both of these teams are gonna keep those players, but I wouldn't mind seeing Jameis Winston disappear, and the Bucks might not get hurt that much for it.
0: Yeah, that'd be really cool, and also seeing Bell on in a different jersey would be really sweet as well.
1: It'd be really interesting to see. Bell's got that different style. Every time you watch a Steelers game, they always talk about how long it takes him to get to the line of scrimmage. So I would be yeah. interested to see how that different style would meld into a different offense. I'm not sure that it would be as seamless as I think some people think that it would be.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. It's, it only makes sense, and... I guess, speaking of that, we should also talk about um, the Bills being...
1: Uh, <laughs> Not great. Being, yeah, bad. So we talked about last week, we both thought the Bills might be the worst team in the league. And yet, I think we somehow underestimated just how bad they were going to be.
0: Yeah, I, was- I definitely thought it was going to be Miami. And I was sadly mistaken. Uh, Peterman looked really good in the in the preseason preseason there so i just i don't know i'm i'm stripped to my core by that
1: it was embarrassing right? like nathan peterman was 5 of 18 for 20 22 24 yards something like that oh Two picks. man it was
0: <laughs> he is bad like he is so bad and I you know what I'm happy I'm happy he's bad I'm happy they have to start Allen I'm happy they move AJ McCarran because that organization deserves it how are you gonna bench Tyrod Taylor when you guys do have a playoff bound season and almost knock yourselves out of the playoffs because of it you deserve this. yeah McDonough's deserve on the
1: this. hot seat it is his seat is already on fire because this team is an embarrassment
0: yeah, and I'm so happy. Like, you you don't get to blackball players who are, not, what, not taking enough risks? Are you literally insane? Like, let your quarterback do what he does. If he isn't as high-flying, just trade him for another guy next year. Don't blackball him while you're on your way to a like a playoff seed that you almost lost if it wasn't for the Bills. Right now we praise Andy Dalton, but you should be living at your head coach.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, speaking of Tryrod Taylor, he was part of a group of teams that played above, I think, what we expected this week The Browns yeah. tied the Steelers, a couple other teams, the Buccaneers beat the Saints, I already talked about them a bit And uh, yeah. the Washington trashed the Cardinals, do you believe in any of these teams? I, I
0: guess I'm kind of shook, other than I didn't think the Cardinals would be good Oh, okay. uh, That good. Anyway, like <laughs> so, I thought the Cardinals were kind of in transition and it's going to show. Like defensively, they'll smarten up and tighten up and they'll be fine. But offensively, I just, I don't see them being that great. Um, the Saints getting stomped out, that shook me. Yeah, they like, closed I, it
1: down to a one-score game near the end of the game. Yes, for a while well, of course, it looked like it might get ugly.
0: Of course that would happen. I mean, you still have... Um, you know uh, Drew Brees, so like it was obviously going to happen. Like he was going to close that gap. He's that type of dude. But your defense getting embarrassed that way kind of shook me. Like I like it's the Bucks, but I mean hey, like uh, maybe the Bucks are better than we thought, um, and the Saints' defense is not as good as we thought.
1: Yeah, I think the Saints are in a really tough division this year. Yeah, but I, uh,
0: think, I yeah, think they're a pretty good eight.
1: team that might just. That might not make the playoffs more because of where they're playing than how how they're playing.
0: I guess, yeah. I guess that could be the case now. I w- That's my Super Bowl pick. So, uh, you know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we both they love make it, the they NFC make it. Yeah, the NFC South, I feel like, is the one to look out for. So, I mean, if they don't make it in, that shows how tough that is.
1: Yeah, week 1. Week one of the NFL, there's always a few games that make you go, oh, well, why did we worry about that? That was stupid. That was just an aberration. But there's also games that um, they highlight. you go back at the end of the season and you go, oh, man, we should have paid more attention to that one game. <laughs> and I'm not sure which one of these games is going to be which, but those three games strike me as games that might enter our consciousness yeah. in a big way later on.
0: I, I agree with you 100%. And uh, that's, I mean, I'm kind of shook. I also guess I wanted to talk about, uh, before we switch, uh, Atlanta's red zone offense.
1: They were the worst in the league last year. And obviously, famously with the NFC Championship, they had the the, uh, failings there. And it appears it's still around this year. Right from the start of the game.
0: 100%. They could not finish as soon as they touched the red zone. And I don't know if I'm going to... Uh, agree that it's because of Matt Ryan because I feel like that's what a lot of people are saying like it's like Matt Ryan's not that good. Matt Ryan's not that good. I feel like their OC is not that good. <laughs> like you have Freeman, you have uh Ryan who can throw the ball to Julio Jones who was balling out of his skull. They j- it, it just I felt like they didn't do enough things to either disguise that they were maybe going to go to this guy but actually they weren't, they're going to boot out of it and throw here, like there was just not enough to really be like, get innovative with all that talent, and it just didn't
1: Yeah, I I think you think more highly of Matt Ryan than I do
0: I, I don't um, think he's the best quarterback in the world.
1: I think he's a little overrated, but I think the first thing you have to look at is that offensive coordinator, because they were great under Kyle Shanahan, and yes. have kind of fallen apart. It, not falling well, mean, apart. Like, they, I mean, they made it to the NFC. Yeah, Even to the NFC last year, but there's clearly I, some sort of weakness to this team. Yeah, I
0: just feel like if you're going to,
1: I don't know, like,
0: I just feel like my Shanahan is an unbelievable coach. Like he left, of course you're gonna step down a little bit. But like to go from Shanahan's unbelievableness to then be last in red zone D- offense, like uh, I don't, I am just confused.
1: Yeah, maybe it. Sarkeesian's just got um, some some college football mindset that's just not working in the NFL.
0: Yeah, I, I, I'm I'm unsure, but I just feel like you, if you don't start heating up at some point, you're going to start losing the locker room soon, too. So hopefully they figure that one out, but uh, I don't know. I just feel like we're going to see another year of them being close to last, if not last. All
1: right, let's move on now to my favorite sport, cycling right in the middle of the Vuelta.
0: Okay, okay. This is your horror Baby, so inform me. <laughs> yeah, so this has <laughs>
1: been this has been a really close race. Like, not much. There hasn't been much separation, I think, would be. We the talked about this true. two weeks ago that there was no real favorite. I listed off the list of favorites, and it was a long yes. list. We are down to four, I think, now. You got uh, Yates, Valverde, Quintana, Lopez are the top four. And I think they all have a reasonable chance to win. Kreisweich is at fifth. He's not too far back, but from what I've seen of him, I don't I don't think he's pulling ahead at any point. Okay, okay. Uh, but the interesting thing is it's been so close that it's become such a tactical match where rather than you thinking, like in the tour this year, the big story was that Garrett Thomas was the strongest rider in the race. Uh, the Vuelta, it's been so close. There's no... Any of those four, you can pick who's the strongest, and I think you'd make a decent argument for it. Yeah. But because of that, tactics and team strength and everything has become a big deal. The main one I want to talk about that just stuck in my head and just made me mad was how Quintana uh, raced at stage 14. I've complained about Quintana before. Yes. Um, But he went and he attacked and actually got a gap. Him and Miguel Angel Lopez attacked, and got uh, 8 seconds, something something decent. But at that point, he was only 8 seconds behind Simon Yates. So he was looking at walking into the red jersey. And then he just got it into his head that he, Miguel Angel Lopez had to help him. And he turned around, he was asking help for Lopez. Lopez said, no, I'm just following your wheel. And he did this multiple times and then eventually just stopped racing and Simon Yates and the rest of the contenders caught up to him and he blew his shot at the red jersey. And sure enough, at the end of the race, Simon Yates attacked again and ended up winning the stage, getting the time bonuses and extending his lead to 25 seconds over Nairo Quintana. And I just wanted to throw something at the TV and go, what are you doing? Grab the bull by the horns and win this race. Well, No. <clears throat>
0: This is the person we've talked about before, being extremely talented, but he's not willing to push.
1: As far as pure talent goes, I think he's number one in the peloton right now. As just a pure talented climber. But there's something in his head that seems to be blocking him.
0: Yeah, now, we've talked about this before. Um, He just doesn't seem to have that dog in him. That one that says, you know, take a risk. Because great... Take risks, yeah. Kick and, and either then kick they,
1: again.
0: Yeah, you know you you're the you take a risk that could end up terribly, but you end up on the right side of it because you took that risk where other people weren't. You know the when Sean Payton says kicking onside, you know yeah, what I mean? that's like,
1: a great example of being a cross sport. Sean Payton took that wild risk and is.
0: In the Super Bowl, and you end up winning a Super Bowl, like you, you beat shot, to... you beat
1: Peyton Manning, everybody, <laughs> everybody. Yeah, with, and the reason why is because
0: win. the risk is number one. You if if Peyton Manning has the ball in his hands, you you lose you lose a game, right? So what's the risk for giving him a closer shot where he's going to score anyway? Then you know what I mean. Like take a risk, Nero Katana. take that risk, and show that you are. This yeah. greatness. Yeah, this don't great worry thing. about
1: Lopez hopping over you for the stage win. Say, I've got Simon Yates on the ropes. I'm going to bury him, and I'm going to take the red jersey. And yeah, he like, didn't. Instead, he said, you yeah, know, I don't want Lopez to beat me, so I'm just going to let – I'm just not going to beat anyone myself.
0: Yeah, and it, it just shakes me to the core when you see someone so talented who's just so adverse to risk-taking, you know, like – You have to if you want to be great And you have all the ability to be great Do it, take advantage of it, take a chance Yeah, we saw the
1: exact opposite tactics uh, today When Simon Yates attacked He attacked, even though he was already in red He attacked and he attacked and he attacked again Thibaut Pinot, who's a little further down Probably not going to factor in the overall contender Ended up getting ahead of everybody and winning the stage But Simon Yates... Uh, came through for second place, got the time bonuses, gained even more time on on uh, Nairo Quintana and Alejandro Valverde, Miguel Angel Lopez. Same sort of thing. He was strong, he was attacking, and he ended up gaining a bit of time too. He's at fourth place, but I think he looks probably the second strongest in the race right now.
0: Yeah, no, uh, I just I really I, I, I'm still just shook by Quintana because I really do. The more you talk about him, the more I'm like, why.
1: Yeah, he why? was the betting why? the betting favorite was Nairo Quintana going into this, right? And you and can see sometimes when he starts those attacks, you can see why people say that because he's got so much talent, but something's missing. Something is missing. All right, a couple other cycling stories uh, outside of the Vuelta, I want to talk about um, Michael Matthews, who was left off the Australian national team for the World Championships coming up earlier this week, went out and won both of the Quebec and Montreal Grand Prix races. And just a spectacular, just thumb on your nose. (laughs) You don't think I'm good enough for the World Championship? Watch what I can do.
0: Yeah, it's weird. uh, Why would they sit on him? Is there something...
1: Well, he's had a rough season. He injured his shoulder earlier in the season. And it uh, came out this week that apparently his seat... Had been there was some miscommunication with the the training staff, and yeah. the seat of his bike was eight millimeters too high. So he just yeah. was in a very slightly wrong position on his bike for most of the season.
0: Okay, now eight millimeters seems like nothing. Explain uh, how that may affect.
1: Yeah, uh, these I guys when you're spending an hour like a single day of racing will be five five hours of competitive in the saddle, but then you're also on your bike warming up beforehand race, you're probably spending seven hours or so on your bike every day. And when these positions like they go into the wind tunnel and their positions are really exactly figured out for comfort, for strength, for power that when you're talking about world-class athletes, being able to provide, being able to put down, you know, 1100 Watts instead of 10, uh, 1050 Watts makes a huge difference when it comes to a sprint at the end of the end of the race. So just so, that little bit off
0: can change everything. So yeah. that's that's actually crazy to even think about how dialed in these athletes are. So, I mean, that could be the major thing of why he struggled as much then.
1: Yeah, it definitely could be. Uh, combined with the shoulder injury, obviously, that uh, slowed his season. But for the second half, he was theoretically healthy and still wasn't kind of kicking on all gears. Um, okay, okay. But, yeah, responded with one heck of a performance.
0: When he got there to Quebec, yeah, no, that's actually super cool. I'm, I'm glad he kind of did get to get to kind of stick his nose in the air at him and be like, he should have took me, you know what I mean? Yeah, like you gotta love the competitor in him. But you know, next year I'm sure he'll be back.
1: Yeah, and just to talk about a story we we briefly mentioned a few weeks ago, we talked about the possibility of Garrett Thomas going to the new team CCC. It turns yes. out he's, yeah, Team Sky has a lot of money and that money talks and he signed a three-year extension with Team Sky. Yeah. So that oh. big story that could have happened just kind of fizzled out.
0: Yeah, well, are you surprised at all? I mean, really? Like...
1: No, Like I was hoping because you want teams to be stronger. You want a more balanced team. But it, anytime Team Sky pays the most, you can never be surprised.
0: Okay, so I guess that circles back to... uh Remember when that one dude suggested a whole bunch of weird rule changes that would? change Yes, uh, up?
1: David Laporte, the head of the UCI, suggested a bunch of rules in late July, I believe.
0: Yes, and in these rules, he was saying that teams should have salary caps. Yes, some exactly sort of why? salary.
1: Ma- yes, that's the number one number one reason is like there's all sorts of ways you can spend your money. You can go to altitude camps, and you can get better better doctors, better food, bitter, a whole bunch of other stuff but the number one thing money helps just like in every other sport is if yeah. you can get the most talent and mm. if if there was some sort of salary cap, when you talk about Chris Froome and Egan Bernal and Michael Kierkowski and all these big names that Team Sky has there's no doubt that Thomas would have been offered millions of dollars more, maybe a couple million dollars more to go to another team rather than stick around to Team Sky yeah but and we can't can say offer, what he wants, but...
0: Yeah, I that, mean, well, I mean, not. if you can offer to the ability to be in a top team that has a chance of winning constantly, and, I mean, the re- major reason being by they can pay everyone, but, I mean, you now have the ability to kind of boycott, or not boycott, but hold a large portion of talent, therefore keeping talent that wants to compete as well as, you know, kind of... having a corner of the market kind of locked away. It gives them a lot more advantages. So would you be, once again, in agreement with that guy's rules that he offered?
1: I liked a lot of the rules, and I I do want some sort of salary cap because I, like most people, want to diminish the power that Team Sky has over cycling right now. But I also remember that in 2003, I wanted a salary cap in the NHL yeah. And they put in a salary cap. And now I hate the salary cap in the NHL. <laughs> so, So like, I can't reconcile those two thoughts very well. Yeah, okay. So it's kind of yes and no at the same time. Like, yeah. there's
0: kind of, well, there's always good that comes with bad, right? Like, yeah. You gotta try do,
1: really hard to see the consequences.
0: Yeah. Like, maybe they do one thing and it works out this way, but actually it fails in one other spot. So it's... You know, you you take the good with the bad, but you, you you we wish we saw him go to CCC and it would have led to a more exciting kind of situation.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree with that statement.
0: Okay, uh, let's move over to eSports. We have uh, League of Legends uh, finale. I saw a little bit of the production. I didn't get to watch the whole thing. I was at work, sadly. And <laughs> holy, did they put a little bit of money into that one.
1: Yeah, so, uh, yeah, as you said, League Final, the North American League Championship. Uh, it was, I think people were probably hoping for a bit closer of a match. Yeah, Team Liquid dominated. They won all three rounds. They briefly fell behind for a small period of time in the first match. But the next two matches, they were ahead pretty much the entire race. This was a bloodbath. Team Liquid, far and away the best team this round.
0: Yeah, and that was against a team that obviously they had to play two times.
1: Yeah, I was so, cloud nine.
0: Yeah, so I mean, he kind of expected it. Um, I don't know. It's uh, it was it's exciting to watch a team kind of roll through a team and show like their prowess and dominance, and it was exactly that.
1: Yeah, and you did have if you wanted the drama, the bronze medal match between TSM and Hundred Thieves did go right down to the wire. So there was, there was yeah, some. Yeah, you did uh, get a little bit of a show. Yeah. 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 There was um, there was that drama available to you, but it was not in the championship match where it was Team Liquid's the best team.
0: <laughs> no, okay, no one's known that. Yeah, exactly. So Team Liquid gets their championship. I'm sure they're all. Super excited, now moving into, obviously, the bigger and more exciting things moving forward.
1: Absolutely.
0: Exactly. Okay, so let's flip over now to Overwatch World Championship. So Now s- we move... Carry on. <laughs> oh, yeah, we moved over to now the, the more North American side of things, right?
1: Yeah, so today's round was in Los Angeles. We've talked about this before. They've got uh, four... Uh, We're still in the round of 24, four groups of six, each playing uh, weeks apart in different locations. Yeah. And this one take place in Los Angeles, some North American, South American teams, but also teams from Norway, Austria, and Switzerland. Okay. So the
0: Western side of the world. Yeah,
1: exactly. And not, once again, following the theme of Team Liquid, not super competitive, USA and Canada. Clearly the top two teams advance easily with Brazil uh, number three, but a distant number three. Okay, yeah.
0: So, I mean, that's, it's cool to kind of see how this all settles out. Once again, this is completely new. P- putting in, uh, you know, the, these teams are usually all mixed up. You know, there's some from Korea, there's some from the States, there's some from all over the place. So to kind of see these teams be all from one region, you get to kind of see where the best players are coming from. And right now it's uh on this side of things it's the United States and uh Canada and in uh, on the what was it the um, on the Asian side of things, it was Korea yeah, or South was, Korea was, was quite South dominant Korea, yeah
1: um Finland was in that group, and they play pretty well. I have noticed in kind of like when we were watching the overwatch League, there are a lot of Finnish players around, and they perform quite well, yeah. Uh, but yeah, South Korea, I think, would be considered the favorite in this tournament. Though we are yeah. a ways away from crowning a champion.
0: Exactly. So, I mean, moving forward, we'll hopefully see Canada go a lot farther. You know, uh, we, we'd love to see that. But it is uh, exciting any way you look at it. United States is obviously a dominant force. You see a lot of uh, top streamers come from there. I mean, even, I think, minus Seagull, they're still the exact same team right? Seagull is from the States. Yep. Yeah, yeah. they
1: they finished first, but they finished first just ahead of Canada, so I think there's going to be some some pretty good competition down there. A little, okay. little ways down the line. Yeah, uh, next weekend, starting the 13th, is the Thailand group, if you're looking out for that.
0: Yes, okay, so keep your eye on the prize there. Check that out. It's really exciting stuff to watch and get to kind of see closer to what's going to shape up to be the maybe the final world championship.
1: All right, let's let's uh, let's go back to football for a little bit. Yes, NCAA. NCAA football.
0: Yes, my favorite, my favorite, my favorite.
1: Speaking of your favorite, let's start with your favorite team and your favorite sport. The Clemson Tigers had a bit of a closer match than I think they were hoping for. No, I
0: mean, uh, you walk into Texas A&M and you expect there to be a battle. And as long as you come out with a W, I think that's all that matters. They play... Texas A&M played a hell of a game from start to finish. Clemson still the took the took that chance, took that win. They did take a nice sigh of relief after that one. I mean, a game that ended literally with a guy diving into the end zone and he gets the ball knocked out of his hands. So
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't think this is going to hurt their championship aspirations or anything like that. No, not at all. Uh, I mean.
0: It was a close game. Of course, they got the W. Most important part, but Texas A&M, holy, did they look good. uh, From top to bottom, from offense to defense, they look really good. If you're going to be able to hold up against Clemson's D-line, which I believe five of them are considered to be NFL-level players, you got to think that Texas A&M has done a lot of good work, especially... Coach-wise, there.
1: Yeah, you think like the way Jimbo Fisher's taking the program.
0: Yes, a hundred percent. I mean, if you're going to come out there and start swinging with Clemson immediately, Jimbo Fisher's making a big impact.
1: Hey, Jimbo Fisher knows Clemson. He's been uh, that's been the number one, number two battle for many years, right there, for State Clemson.
0: Yeah, and he, but it shows through what a good coach can immediately do to a program.
1: Yeah, in college football more than any other, possibly more than any other sport anywhere, I don't know if there's a head coach that can make a bigger difference than a college football head coach.
0: Oh, 100%. Coaching is everything. And, I mean, it shows through in the pros as well. uh, But you're seeing this coach completely kind of stifle a team that has the talent to be the best team in the league. But, you know, if you have the right coach who's putting players in the right spots, making sure that these kids are well-coached and focused and moving all in the right direction, that's where you really show show that Jimbo Fisher really is a guy. And now, 100% now, that locker room is all in. There's no doubt about that.
1: Oh, absolutely. I think, uh, I think that might be the biggest takeaway of this game is those kids at Texas A&M believe in Jimbo Fisher now.
0: A hundred percent, and I'm super excited to see what Texas A&M looks like in like three to four years. You know, like it's gonna be it's gonna be quick, but in that four year area is where I'm thinking they're gonna be pushing for a championship.
1: So speaking of teams and the effect a head coach can have in college football, the Florida Gators were not that far away from when they had Urban Meyer and they were a top program, and then they went to Will Muschamp, and now they have Dan Mullen. And they're really a mess right now.
0: Yeah. um, Florida was really loving it. They were really doing well. They were really making all these moves that really mattered. You know, like you can't, you can't, you can't make up for exactly what Urban Meyer brings to a program. Like he is so unbelievably good at what he does. And as soon as he was gone, they struggled, they struggled, they struggled. And holy, they fell apart since he's been gone. And I am so shook by how much that is. Because you still have the ability to get the best talent. You're in Florida. You have the ability to get almost every single thing. But you're going to drop a game to Kentucky, which is a good team. There's no doubt about that. Take nothing away from them. But a team that used to be, you know, maybe number one, two, three, four, five, you know, top ten, like, oh, year after year. I'm going to stutter on that word. But you just can't, you can't, you can't make up for that. Like, holy, what an unbelievable fall from grace for that team.
1: You mentioned Florida and the strength of recruiting from Florida. There are only two teams from Florida so far that uh, haven't lost a game yet. Central Florida and South Florida. Every other team in Florida, and that's a whole bunch, and a whole bunch of strong teams, has already lost this football season. That strikes yeah. me as very strange. It, it is
0: crazy because, I mean, that's where the talent is outside of, you know, Georgia, Texas, uh, California. Like, those are those are the superstar states Along with Florida, why are you, why is Florida all suffering right now? It's very weird. Yeah,
1: really uh, strange. I don't have a good explanation
0: for it. 100%. So, I mean, good hats off to Kentucky. They played a great game from start to finish. I love their jerseys. They look great. They played great. <laughs> it, it was exciting from top to finish. But I think the one thing I want to say that I took away from this is that Florida's coaching is—I—I I don't know—I—I I feel like they gotta kind of make a move on a coach of some clout to really turn that program around. I think maybe it is a little tougher than at first thought. Like maybe wh- whether it be your athletes are you know a little more headstrong or whatnot. But I just feel like it, it. Their coaching is not up to par, and that's a large part of why they're losing a lot of games.
1: Um, Best game, or at least the most interesting game to me Was Georgia-South Carolina I don't know if you caught much of this game But, man, does Georgia look good
0: Yeah, I caught only a little bit I only saw, like, kind of the tail end of it It was just finishing up um, Georgia, wow They look absolutely unbelievable
1: Yeah, Jake so like, from, And somehow Jake Fromm I don't think he's going to lose his job this year, but people still seem to think that Justin Fields is a better quarterback than Jake Fromm. And I've never seen Justin Fields play. Maybe that's true, but, and if that is, wow. Because Jake <laughs> Fromm is great.
0: Yeah, like if you have two quarterbacks like that, wow. Because Jake Fromm looks unbelievable. Is There's not a doubt in my mind that dude deserves a starting job. But if if I got to see Fields play and I thought, uh, maybe this dude is better then holy. Oh, they have a glutted quarterback because <laughs> it's just unfair. It really is because Jake Fromm is unbelievable. There's a little Netflix show. Uh, I believe it's called QB One. If you get a chance, you can watch. You know, Jake Fromm and a couple of the top quarterbacks at that time. You know, do their high school seasons, and Jake Fromm is just a standout guy. Just a just a lovable dude. Very nice. And it's cool to kind of see him take that next step after watching that. You know? Like, cause he made it all the way to the show, uh, Lost Alabama, uh, to another true freshman. And you then watch his show and you get to figure out kind of a little bit about the guy. And it's, it's really exciting. He's a really cool dude. And it's really cool to see this kind of all play out in front of you. So, if you get a chance, watch QB1 on Netflix. It's really oh, cool, and I'll
1: have to check that out at some point. <laughs> yeah, I didn't realize it, he was a celebrity.
0: Yeah, he was a. They filmed the show before he was even in, uh, you know, still in high school. Uh, yeah, well, he's still in high school before he was in college, you know, and cool, super cool. It was awesome to see, and it's cool because he released it, and he already made it all the way to the show. So everybody's lucky, you know, they caught this little bit of yeah. lightning. So he's
1: really
0: cool to watch. Yeah, 100%. I guess let's slide over to Kansas.
1: (laughs) There's not a lot of story here, but I just wanted to mention, Kansas managed to win their first road game since September 12th of 2009. (laughs) That's a long time ago.
0: Oh, that is... (laughs) They almost made a decade. Yeah, you should have kept the streak alive. Come on. (laughs)
1: <laughs> I know Kansas isn't a football powerhouse, but yikes, that's that's a that's, long time to go. This, yeah, that's real tough. There. That's not quite podunk you either.
0: No, not at all. That's no Ball State. So, I mean, hey. Uh, Ball State could, did put
1: up a pretty good game against Notre Dame this week.
0: Yeah, very true. Uh, what's one thing I'm I'm excited to kind of see if Ball State can keep that going. But anyway, <laughs> back to Kansas. Good for them. Uh, get rid of that embarrassing streak and kind of keep it rolling. Yeah, you want to end
1: that just so people can stop talking about that. They're not going to win anything this year, but congratulations on no longer being an embarrassment.
0: Yeah, hopefully you can kind of get that in your past and be a middle-of-the-pack team again. Let's move on to
1: a more important struggle. We thought differently of the Arizona Wildcats when the season started. I got to admit, I thought they were going to be a pretty good team, maybe in the Pac-12 championship game. And I loved Khalil Tate. They've struggled, and I don't have a good explanation for it. They got trashed by Houston yesterday.
0: Now, maybe I was a little less high on them, but, you know, Khalil Tate, I thought he would do well. Weird, weird struggle from top to bottom.
1: But, but like It wasn't like they lost by a touchdown or something like that. I think it was 41-14. to 14.
0: Yeah, no, they got blown out. It was not pretty. But I think that slides over to the fact that the, I don't think their coach is that good.
1: So they've got Kevin Sumlin, fresh from Texas A&M, a supposed quarterback whisperer. I'm yeah. really starting to doubt him too, although I didn't... As of two weeks ago.
0: Yeah, no, I think Kevin Sumlin is kind of a a flash-in-the-pan coach. He walked into a program that was starting to make its upswing, had a lot of talent in certain situations. Um, Did
1: he recruit Manziel? He must have, because Manziel was a freshman. Yes,
0: Manziel was a freshman. So, I, I mean, you have to think that this dude was lucky at that moment and then walked out to a job that's going to pay a bunch of money. You don't switch to Jimbo Fisher over a coach
1: <laughs> that
0: is really, really good. I mean, of course you would love Jimbo Fisher, but you don't dump a coach who's winning for you. And he, they felt that it was starting to swing down and you the reality of who he is would have come to light. He got out of there, got a good amount of money and hopefully we'll turn around Arizona, and I don't think so.
1: Maybe that's why I still believed in him, because I felt like, okay, they got rid of Sumlin, but that's because they got Fisher, and it was an upgrade anyway, so I still believed in Sumlin. But I'm definitely starting to question him with the way this season's began.
0: Yeah, you know, I, I feel like he's going to be a coach that's just there, and then he'll disappear, and we'll never care about Sumlin
1: again. Do the kind of quarterback like uh, Rich Rodriguez or something like that, where you'll realize, (laughs) oh, he's their coach? I remember that name from 15 years ago. (laughs) Exactly.
0: That's what's going to happen. He's going to end up being a OC in lower-end college for the rest of his career after this, for sure.
1: You might be right.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, we're going to go over to the WNBA. Super exciting. we made it all the way to the final.
1: Yeah, so uh, we got uh, the Storm against the Mystics. The Storm, clearly the favorite top team all-league. They have the MVP, Brianna Stewart. It actually, for a bit, there seemed like they wouldn't even make it to the final, but then Sue Bird had just an absurd final game of the semifinal. Showing, uh, she's obviously an older player at this point, but man yeah. can still dominate a game and proved it
0: Yeah, exactly, and it's cool to see older players do that, to show that flash, to be like Yeah, you know, I was great, but, you know, maybe I only have one or two games of this in the tank every, you know, ten games Yeah, you
1: see that in a lot of sports and a lot of different leagues where the older player maybe can't can't show up every night But when they do, it's just great to watch
0: Um, And then we got
1: to the final, and unfortunately Elena Deladon got a bone bruise in her semifinal. So she she played the last game, the clinching game for the Mystics, but still wasn't kind of at full speed for the first game, and the storm just blew out the Mystics. Wasn't really too much of a competition, but uh, today's game, Elena Deladon was back, uh, led the team in scoring, looked strong. But Seattle Storm, led by MVP Brianna Stewart with 25 points, snuck out a victory at the end. And I gotta say, this is looking like a sweep to me.
0: I would agree with you there. I think maybe they can sneak out one. Maybe if Deladon is healthy enough, you know, she'll make that like, like that little electricity that allows them to sneak a game out. You know, maybe it'll end up being two, but I doubt it but I think they maybe have one in them just because Deladon is that Any, Yeah, player.
1: anytime you have a player like Elena Deladon, just one of those true superstars, you can, especially at at home in front of what will probably be like 15,000, 16,000 people. It's certainly and, possible, but Seattle is so good this year. and Stewart Yeah, and is on a top lot more healthy
0: game. as well too,
1: right? Yes. Like,
0: she's going to be, you know, played well in that. She's going to be playing even better. Follow this next one too, right? Like she is an exciting player, and I cannot wait to see that next game. I think I have it off, so I got to check that out. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, it's uh, this Wednesday, is uh, yes, no, game it'll work. Yeah, Wednesday, Friday. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, from playoffs that are about to finish to playoff races, let's move on to baseball. I've got uh, four playoff races I want to get your thoughts on. Okay, okay. All right, first one, the biggest one, the most newsworthy one. The Yankees are now only three and a half behind the Red Sox for the all-important division title.
0: Um, I'm going to go... Is there a chance? I'm going to go
1: Yankees manage to close
0: it. Boom, Really? take my money. I'm doing it. They're closing the gap, they're making it.
1: Go Yanks. <laughs> you got the, the Red Sox have a long history of collapsing. I think 2011, they were like 12 games up at some point. I think it's 1986, they were 21 games up or something idiotic like that. The Red Sox know how to how to fall apart.
0: And the Yankees know how to win. So I'm going to go with the Yankees closing this off and then being real hot in the playoffs. So, It does seem go. to me, if
1: the Yankees can close it, they would be my absolute favorite yes, <laughs> to come I would to the playoffs. I'm not sure if they can. The Sox do have starting pitching, which yes. the later you get into the season, the more important that is. That
0: really is. does matter 100%.
1: That's very true. Alright, so, Brewers-Cubs. Yeah. This is one I completely forgot about. and It uh, turns out the Brewers are only two games behind the Cubs. That's... That,
0: it, I feel like I've slept on that. Like, I just looked away and looked back, and I'm like, oh. <laughs> yeah, at the start <laughs> of know? the
1: season, I wouldn't. I, this is the division, like the Cleveland Indians, that the Cubs are just going to run away from everybody. Yeah,
0: and to be too behind, I don't think they have it to close it, but I, you know, they a valiant effort, I feel like.
1: Yeah, they should get into the wild card. Uh, I think they're two and a half games up on the wild card. But yeah, uh, the I think way they squeeze in there, and I know ba- the, a lot of baseball purists have a problem with the way the playoffs are set up. But from a casual fan's perspective, you gotta love it because there's so many races that are important. Because you gotta win the division, and a lot of sports. If there was the wild card, you'd just be like, "Fine, we'll get into the wild card." But because the wild card teams have to play that one game playoff. There's yeah. so much desire to get, to win your division and not just settle for the wild card position.
0: I I love one and duns in every sport. Like <laughs> there's nothing like March Madness. There's nothing like the playoff in college. Like I love the one and done. Like, I mean, and let's be honest, I prefer the BCS almost to it. But <laughs> I prefer the playoff to some of the other setups. There's nothing like the intensity it has for that one game to do, you know, to play your best and show that you are the best team. You have to be the best team every time you step on the the field, the pitch, the court, you know what I mean? So when it's yeah. one game And especially with nothing. all the
1: levels that baseball has. There's so much to oh. chase, there's so many different races you have to pay attention to.
0: Yeah, the one and done wild card is is so exciting. And I'm a big fan of it, so I you know, baseball purists are going to be mad at me, but I
1: still love it. This is a complete sidebar that we're going to have to cut out of the podcast, but I just looked at the standings again. I don't know where I saw three and a half. the Yankees are eight games behind the Red Sox.
0: <laughs> uh, whatever we can um, just put that in there. who cares? We'll okay. keep it in the podcast. Keep it in the podcast. We'll okay. eat our keep, freaking keep shoes. the whole thing'm yeah, my on shoes me. right now. That I'm that right now. Yum, 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 yum.
1: I think we like, can say safely that the Red Sox will win that division. Kevin's gonna have to take back his but he got that bad information for me so I
0: don't, Oh I don't well, way yeah, to sewer that. me. Thanks, Thanks. <laughs> Go Yankees still on that.
1: All right, let's move on from my screw-up to a uh, division. I have the standings right in front of me, so I know I'm getting right. NL West, three teams separated by only two and a half games.
0: I, I think this is crazy. I want you to tell me who all three teams are here so all everybody right. knows.
1: So as we're talking, we got Colorado, a half game ahead of the Dodgers, and two and a half games ahead of the Diamondbacks.
0: Uh, Colorado? I like Colorado. I don't know why. They <laughs> look good on paper. They look good on the field. I like them.
1: Yeah, I've spoken about this before. My, for some reason, that my fixation on that one season where Colorado finished the season like 22-1. and one, And for, for, because of that, I always feel like Colorado is the, the late season team.
0: So, I've, maybe this is it. This is the one. They're taking it all the way home.
1: Yeah, close race, but I'm going to pick Colorado for the division as well. I would agree with you.
0: I think Colorado is the team.
1: And then the second race is kind of tangentially associated with this. So for the second wild card, you've got uh, some Milwaukee scenes entrenched in the first wild card. And then you've got the three NL West teams, the two that don't make it, racing with the St. Louis Cardinals for that last and all-important wild card race.
0: Um, yeah, I think that if the Cardinals are the team to squeak in for the wild card, I feel like, look out for them. I don't know why, they just give me this feeling in my gut that they have a little bit of spice somewhere. A little bit of heat, a little bit of mustard. I
1: don't know. What do you think? There's no team in baseball that has a better, like, There's no team that you trust as much as the St. Louis Cardinals. Yeah. like like, This team, like when they fired Mike Matheny earlier in the season, you thought for sure this this is just a write-off season for them. They're done. But then they, like, this is such a crazy comeback. I don't know how you can, like, I want to vote against it. I want to say, no, the Diamondbacks are going to make it. Just because I want to be contrarian But there's (laughs) I don't think I can say
0: it (laughs) Exactly like they just have that I don't know that Intangible thing and I really do Hope that they can make it all The way and really be that story That we talk about for Years and years and years But you know I just feel like They're going to be exciting Anyway
1: When they heard heard, uh, Mike Schilt I don't think anybody was saying, yeah, he's going to be their head coach next year. No, it was just a purely interim basis. But I believe either earlier this week or maybe it was maybe a full week ago or so. At this point, he was hired officially as their head coach.
0: Would yeah, you... which is a good move. They, uh, they, what have they done since he's been there? Everything right. So <laughs> yeah, they went from <laughs>
1: lost season to currently in the play. Like if the season were to end today, the St. Louis Cardinals would be the number two wild card team.
0: Exactly, and. I would say that dude deserves 100% be the coach. And I hope that it isn't just kind of like a flash in the pan with all these players doing the right thing. I really do hope that coach does keep that kind of mustard rolling in the next season's coming up as well. But for right now, he's doing all the right things. So it's a great job signing him for the long
1: run. Yeah, you don't associate the term flash in the pan with the St. Louis Cardinals very often. I think it might be pretty stable.
0: Okay, so I guess we should slide over to
1: playoff favorites. Pretty, oh, yeah, yeah, we should talk about... Uh, so who do you got? Uh, not just talking about the races, maybe some of the teams that are already in. Is there any team you have your eye on? Okay, number maybe one. Favorite.
0: Yankees. Number two, St.
1: Louis. That's where I kind of stand. <laughs> so I like. you see a wild card team coming in? And... I
0: don't know why. I like St. Louis. They... I just, I don't know, maybe I'm just weird like that, but I, either way, Yankees all the way, bang, bang. I'm not a Yankees fan either, so don't think that. I kind of <laughs> kind of sit in the middle of everything, but I just, I don't know why. The Yankees right now, they look good.
1: I'm going to go basically in the complete opposite direction. Ian. Okay, I'm going okay. talk about the teams that uh, we've practically forgotten about because they've clinched so long ago. Yes. But to me, the team, the Cleveland Indians, were, they've kind of been forgotten because they're not Boston or uh, New York. They're not in that glamorous market. They yes. also haven't been in the race because their division stinks. They're 21 games behind or something. 15 games ahead of Minnesota. Yeah. But I really like this team. Kluber is one of my favorite pitchers to watch. I think he's really strong. They got a pretty good line. They're just a good balanced team. Terry Francona knows how to win. I think that would be my number number one team, and the okay. other team, Houston. They they've been in that race. Oakland closed yes. it a little bit, faded. But what like defending champions? I don't know. Dallas Keuchel might be my favorite pitcher in the big leagues to watch. He's kind of he's like a <laughs> almost a Greg Maddox type, just incredible accuracy. The NL. Is there a favorite in the NL? Like you said, St. Louis, and that seems completely reasonable. Yeah. Only because it's complete madness. <laughs> all, it, right. All nine teams that I think that might get in are legitimate threats to make it to the make it to the World Series this year.
0: One hundred percent. And I I just doubled down on St. Louis. I don't know what it is. Like there's literally no rational reason other than I got this feeling in my gut, and I trust my gut. 100% of the time, St. Louis. I'm going to be- pick the
1: Atlanta Braves. It makes no sense. But uh, the Atlanta Braves were my favorite team as a kid. So I'm going to roll with them. Okay, there we go. <laughs>
0: okay, okay. I want to establish my gut is bulletproof, okay, when it comes to this. There was All a right. point when we were watching the Super Bowl between the Giants and the Patriots. And I said, if Asante Samuel does not pick off a ball and the, he threw a ball that Asante Samuel dropped a pick that the Giants are going to win the Super Bowl. And immediately after Asante Samuel misses that, they, go, they try to go downfield again, and he throws the ball, and the ball is caught by David Tyree on his helmet in the most <laughs> magical way possible. <laughs> then the game is finished off by Plexico burst in the back of the end zone in an ex, exciting fashion. And I've, it's not the first time I've been wrong.
1: Are you trying to establish that uh, you predicted the David Tyree catch? I the most ridiculous sports plays I've ever seen. I
0: predicted that the Giants were going to win, and however that was, it was by any means necessary. <laughs> I'm also going to say that I also predicted Brandon Marshall being an unbelievable receiver before he was anything. It was in preseason, and he, did, he had a couple of catches. I was like, hmm, that dude's going to be really, really good.
1: If we're touting our random picks, I predicted Marquise Colston when he was still at Hofstra. That's my personal best prediction. So yeah. just throwing that out Well, there I since mean, you,
0: I mean, what's a, that's that's a flash in the pan. I have like four or five that I can go
1: into, but we're gonna stick with those two <laughs> for now
0: and wrap this thing up. All
1: right. Hope you had fun listening to us this week. We'll be back next week, of course. Yeah. Uh, this uh, has been the For the Love podcast.
0: Yeah, and once again, we changed up the format just to make it a little more loose, a little more comfortable, and we hope it sounds a lot better to you guys, and if you do like it, hit us up on Twitter, let us know, we are definitely, would love to hear your opinion on
1: how it does sound. And for those that follow NFL games by listening to our podcast, the Packers have closed it down to only a three-point deficit.
0: So I'm sure you guys will probably know before this is out, but good job, (laughs) by Deshawn Kaiser. I told you I liked him. Sure enough, he's doing good things. All right, thanks for listening. Take it easy, guys.